the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. The answer on this Saturday uh, August the 31st, 2019. Gosh, I can't believe how quick this year is going by. The summer is over, I guess. <laughs> um, it won't be uh, officially fall until the middle of September. But for me, you know, it looks uh, the end of, of August is, uh, for all practical purposes, the end of uh, of summer. But uh, football season, and that's great in, in Texas, man. High school football, college football, I love it. All right, folks, um, got a great program for you today. We've got, uh, first of all, we've got Mr. Todd Bensman from the Center for Immigration Studies. He's going to be talking to us about a bust, a major bust that occurred uh, regarding some human smugglers from the Middle East. Yes, from the Middle East. And uh, the bust, the arrests that took place included lots of characters from uh, Middle East countries that uh, are terrorist countries. I mean, that's... uh, that's the breeding ground. And uh, I, I think we should be really, really cautious about, you know, this is one of the issues that may, should make us very, very worried about um, the uh, the border crisis that we've got, uh, all of the illegal immigration that's going on, because uh, we, we know that drugs are getting in. We know lots of illegal aliens are getting in. What kind of illegal aliens are coming in? What kind of characters? Well, uh, some of them are terrorists, my friends. Some of them are terrorists, clearly. And uh, Todd's going to be talking to you uh, to us about that. We also have my very, very good friend, Silvio Canto, who is um, a uh, talk show host in Dallas. And uh, Silvio and I are, are, are going to be chatting about uh, the political uh, correct language problem. Yes, it is a problem. Uh, when we've got language that's being limited, and that's the only way that I can describe it, when language is being limited, by definition, my friends, uh, debating, discussing, and uh, even humor is being affected because, uh, you know, we can't, we have to be careful how we talk. We're afraid to offend folks. People uh, are triggered, so to speak. I don't know how many of you uh, recently saw the uh, craziness of the uh, Democratic Socialist uh, Convention that took place. Uh, in Cleveland and uh, the, uh, you know, the, the folks that were in charge of the of the uh, convention uh, regularly got up to tell folks that, uh, you know, to be careful uh, as to how they spoke, what they said, how they said it, uh, even even to the point that uh, how they smelled, because scents were triggering people. The scent of uh, 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 that some people were wearing were uh, were triggering folks. I mean, you know. Uh, when we talk about political survival of the fittest, and that's what it is, my friends, in the world of politics, in the real world, it is survival of the fittest. If these people are the fittest that we've got, we're in trouble. We are in trouble. How can you be a leader if you get triggered by everything? If everything triggers you, if you get upset and you have to go to a corner, you have to go, uh, uh, if you have to, to, uh, retreat to to get yourself together. How can you be a leader if that if you know under those circumstances? And we're going to be chatting about uh, the language because that's where we're going. We are causing people to be very very careful to be walking around on eggshells when it comes to their language because we don't want to upset folks. So uh, we're going to be chatting about that. In the meantime, folks, let's jump into some. Um, Immigration update news, because lots of stuff that's uh, that's going on. First of all, 
Uh, there's new data regarding immigration, immigrant ad- arrests, uh, the arrests of illegal aliens. According to the new data released by the Department of Justice, arrests of non-citizens, illegal aliens, of course, has increased over the past decade, and, the, and it accounts for a majority of the federal arrests. The numbers include pe- people that are being apprehended, of course, at the border, which is significantly up. Um, but while non-citizens are 7% of the, uh, of the total U.S. population, that's an estimate, 7%, they make up 64% of the federal arrests in, in 2018, 64% of the, of the federal arrests. That includes people that are being caught at the, at the border. So you can, you know, the, this high figure, my friends, shows the impact of illegal immigration that it's having on America's federal system. It is. It is, it is taking up time, energy, money. And, uh, you know, we've got to, I mean, there's no two ways around it. We've got to control uh, illegal immigration and, and the border. That's all there is to it. Uh, also, also, there was a fifth, uh, you know, to, as if to, to follow up on this point, uh, there was a fifth illegal alien that was arrested in Montgomery County, Maryland, by authorities. Um, allegedly, this character had crawled into, into a 16-year-old girl's uh, room, into her bed, and raped her at knife point. Uh, again, Montgomery County, Maryland... Uh, it does not officially rec- it, it, it claims it's not an effect an, a, a uh, sanctuary co- county uh, or community, but it uh, it does not comply and uh, and cooperate with ICE. So, uh, you know, it, it for all practical purposes, it is a sanctuary community. Uh, also, a little bit on the bright side, Mexico and uh, Trump's actions uh, regarding illegal immigration, they are beginning to slow down illegal immigration, at least a little bit. Even though the, uh, the Democrat-controlled uh, Congress hasn't lifted a finger to help, President Trump's threats uh, have moved Mexico to, slow, to help to slow down immigration. Also, also President Trump's uh, other policies are also helping to, discover, to discourage rather uh, fake asylum seekers. Last June... Um, Trump announced that he would add a 5% tariff to all Mexican imports if they didn't, uh, if they didn't help to stop illegal immigration or the migrants moving north to, to, uh, to, to the U S border. Well, Mexico reacted quickly and took actions to, uh, to address the problems of illegal aliens crossing their Southern border, because that's what's been happening. Illegal aliens, uh, Mexican illegal aliens, uh, or illegal aliens from Central America crossing into Mexico uh, were a big problem. And so Mexico has deployed thousands of troops to the southern border and added uh, checkpoints to search buses and, and, and buses. Additionally, they've been raiding hotels uh, and bus and train stations. Uh, the, the train, the famous train called La Bestia, where many uh, migrants, uh, where many of these illegal aliens, the Central Americans, will get on top of the, uh, the train and ride north. Uh, that one has been uh, that that has been searched and stopped. So these actions are all having an impact, and uh, there are fewer fewer uh, illegal aliens from Central America moving moving towards the north. Also, also Mexican leaders have allowed to to uh, have agreed to allow U.S. Uh, asylum seekers, these Central Americans that are claiming asylum, to wait on the Mexican side, and that has encouraged discouraged a lot of these fake asylum seekers. Uh, it's discouraged them, and they've decided to return back to their home countries. So uh, finally, finally, which is an interesting situation here, Guatemala, Guatemalan officials are also uh, agreeing to play, play a third role, third country role, and uh, deny asylum claims uh, to uh, Salvadorans and Hondurans that are crossing through their country on their way to America. So that's also causing a, dis- a lot of folks to be discouraged. All those new policies come together are having an impact. But, um, you know, regardless of the endless criticism and the Democrat uh, by the by the media and uh, the Democrats in action, uh, as well as the liberal courts interference, uh, Trump's actions are having a positive impact in slowing down some of the illegal immigration and securing the border. Uh, just imagine if uh, if the uh, Democrats helped. Just imagine. Imagine if the Democrats helped, if uh, the courts uh, also helped. Uh, where we would be. Finally, there's also the situation uh, regarding fake news. Um, uh, you know, this is amazing. This is this is this uh, this really really uh, is upsetting to me personally. CNN uh, reported 
as well as various uh, all the other liberal media they reported i don't know how many of you remember they reported regarding the uh the raid on the chicken processing plants in mississippi uh, a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things, one of the stories that came out of there was uh, the claim of a of a. Uh, there was a picture of a little girl crying, and uh, a mother uh, that had been picked up, and whether or not they were going to uh, be reunited, and you know all this all this brouhaha. There was also uh, a film of another little girl that was crying because her daddy had been picked up. You know, never mind that the that the parents were here illegally. That was beside the point. The kids were crying. So, so you know, the tug, the tugging of a, of the heartstrings. Well, in the case of the CNN story, the network claimed that it was a Guatemalan woman who was bra- breastfeeding her child, her infant. Turns turns out that that was a complete fake. Uh, the woman was a Mexican national. She was not Guatemalan, and according to a uh, a report, a nurse's report. Uh, a health report, the woman was not even lactating. In other words, she was not breastfeeding anyone, anyone. Uh, the woman's name was uh, Maria Domingo Garcia, uh, and CNN claimed that the mother was still breastfeeding her, chi- her child. Uh, and that was be- based on comments from immigration lawyers who are notorious liars, notorious liars, you know, because all they want to do is, is get is get the sympathy, uh, a, a sympathy vote. Well, the Daily Caller did some background on the thing, and they found out that she was Mexican, not Guatemalan. And uh, they had also lied about uh, Garcia's uh, breastfeeding. Uh, again, my friends, how can you how can they get away with this? Well, they get away with it because nobody challenges them. You know, uh, CNN uh, obviously does not uh, does not really care to tell the facts. They care to tell a story, a narrative. Uh, you know, all of these, uh, according to the ICE spokesman, uh, all of the detainees had received medical, dental and mental health intake screening within 20, 12 hours of them being in the detention center. And then that screening included this woman who had been who, who was being asked if she was breastfeeding when during her initial medical screening domingo uh, uh, she she answered that no she was not uh, breastfeeding that she was not breastfeeding at all so you know the facts don't seem to matter the facts just don't seem to matter to these folks to uh, cnn to the to the to the media so how can we how can we take them serious how can we debate uh, about truth and facts with these folks uh, 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 incredible Okay, we're going to take a break, and then we'll be right back with our uh, first interview. Stay tuned. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Welcome to the show, folks. Stick around. Call your friends. We'll be right back. El Conservador listeners, if you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, uh, Mr. Todd Bensman from the uh, Center for Immigration Studies. Todd's written a uh, an, another article, and uh, he's been doing some more research along the border, and I wanted to get him on so he, we could talk. He could give us an update of what is happening uh, down along the border. Welcome to the show, Todd. Good to be on again. All right, so tell us. what uh, what uh, Tell us about your latest article and what you have found. Right, so the the subject that I've written about now for the uh, Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. It's titled U.S.-Supported Brazilian Operation Bus Smugglers Moving Migrants from uh, Muslim-Majority Countries. And so what happened is the, um, the country of Brazil, along with 
our ICE Homeland Security investigations, went after three uh, very notorious smugglers of people from the Middle East. So when we're talking about um, special interest aliens or migrants of higher risk uh, reaching the Texas border, reaching the southern border, uh, these are the guys that make it happen. These are the people that are moving them, the networks that have to span the Atlantic Ocean and uh, move into Africa and the Middle East and South Asia to bring people into places like Brazil, which is a major staging country for that kind of migration. So we're talking long-distance smuggling. I mean, we're not talking about somebody just crossing, being brought from, from across the border from Nogales or something. I mean, we're, we're talking long-distance smuggling. Right, George. And, and, and as I've written before, and I think as you and I have discussed, uh, there are thousands of migrants every year coming from that far away. Uh, coming to the border, and, and this would include what U.S. intelligence reports say are suspected terrorists as well, Islamic terrorists. So what happened was uh, the Brazilians and the Americans investigated, and they finally arrested these three smugglers. One is a Somali, one is an Algerian, and one is an Iranian. And the three of them were working together based in Sao Paulo, moving migrants from all of those countries that I talked to, countries that I talked about, countries of interest, into Peru and then Colombia, uh, where they would be handed off to another organization, and then they'd be smuggled into Panama, Costa Rica, and on up to the, to the Texas border. And it's important to note that uh, these organizations have brought in at least two suspected Somali terrorists uh, who were arrested after they arrived in the United States. And uh, there's no details about what that is, but that's that's the reporting. And these kind of busts that happen are very important. Uh, they're a central component of ICE Homeland Security investigations, what they do. You know, we hear all the time, abolish ICE. If you abolish ICE, you abolish their ability to do uh, investig intercontinental investigations like this one. Um, and uh, really, this, this investigation in Brazil that rolled up these three smugglers is just the latest of a series of uh, smuggler busts of people, smugglers bringing people in from those same countries. So uh, really, ICE, HSI is on a big roll here doing uh, Homeland Security a lot of good. This is really, really chilling. Uh, to know that we've got, um, you know, that these are the people that are being caught. Heaven knows how many people are not being caught, particularly, you know, if they're getting in through those areas uh, that are not uh, secured uh, at this point. Um, can you give us any more uh, idea of maybe how many, you know, uh, have gotten through? I mean, is there any idea of, uh, of people, you know, that already are in, in our midst, maybe? Nobody really knows the answer to that because what happens is the ones that get through may get caught five years later in Indiana, right? And when they do get caught in Chicago or, uh, you know, Indiana or somewhere else years later, uh, they're not really categorized. How they entered is not really categorized. Uh, so you, you don't know how, uh, whether they came in over the border or whether they came in by the airport and overstayed or student visas or anything else so it's like almost impossible there are every year though thousands of uh, people from those countries who are apprehended in the interior and deported or prosecuted and and there's a record of that but there's no way to tell how they got in what we do know is that at least uh three to four thousand every year from those countries are caught at the border between ports of entry, entering clandestinely, or showing up at ports of entry to present themselves for asylum. Uh, we know that those records are kept, those numbers are kept. And then when we interview them, we learn about how they smuggled so far, how they were able to get so to, to come in through Mexico from so far away. So um, if you read my piece or take a look at my piece, I've got, I've written about all of these cases individually, but I kind of put them together in this one article. There are five other cases 
Um, there's uh, most recently, I think I even spoke uh, with you and your audience about this one not that long ago, about an Afghan interpreter for the UAE based in New Jersey who was just charged with bringing in two other Afghans over the Texas border. Same thing, a Pakistani smuggling organization. And one of those two uh, was... Um, a security risk based on his association with a foreign intelligence service. And he had been fired from the U.S. Army as an interpreter over there and snuck in over the border successfully. And then we had recently a Jordanian uh, with dual Mexican citizenship based in Monterey, Mexico. Uh, and he pleaded guilty a few months ago to smuggling at least seven Yemenis over the Texas border. And some of those Yemenis were on the terror watch list. Wow. Well, now, now when they bust the, this, uh, this Jordanian, for example, were they able to, to, uh, to catch the uh, Yemenis? Well, the Yemenis got in successfully. So what happens then is they have to track. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking is that they're going to have to track them down separately, I guess. Wow. Yeah, and I think they did track them down. Uh, or they caught them at the border. Typically what happens is, like with the Afghan case and the Yemeni uh, case that I just talked about, when they present themselves for asylum or they get caught at the border, they're from Yemen, so all our three-letter agencies go down and interview them hard. And what they want to know is, who is your smuggler? And that's how these cases get started often. Uh, so that's how this most recent case got started as well. And uh, and other cases get started. I mean, the, the, the migrants actually turn out to be, you know, material witnesses, you know, key to these smuggling organizations. But the overall way to look at this is that uh, Homeland Security really does regard this migration secretly as a national security threat to the extent that they're doing these cases all the time. Right, got six or seven of them now in the last year and a half, two years. Uh, so they are really going after it, and it's a national security counterterrorism nexus with immigration over our border. It, it's a true thing. So, what do you think? What do you think needs to happen? How do we need to tighten this uh, to uh, to do as much prevention of these uh, of these terrorist organizations or terrorists? Period. Getting in. What do we think? What do you think we need to do? Well, there's a few things, and I, I wrote a piece, um, uh, I want to say about six months ago, suggesting eight measures that uh, the White House and Congress uh, should enact, and they, they actually don't need a congressional, they don't need legislation for these uh, to, to, to improve our interdiction overseas of these smuggling organizations, but one of the key ones is that we just need to invest in more HSI agents abroad who are doing this kind of work. Uh, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not taking away at all from what HSI is doing. It's a fantastic case that they just, four or five other cases, show that they are working. Uh, but there's other influences HSI agents in uh, Latin America diverted to drug investigations and, you know, other kinds of investigations as well. And and maybe there's more pressure put on these networks in Latin America. And then the other, the other big deal, uh, you know, to improve this kind of um, interdiction abroad, these programs, is that we have, you know, a dozen U.S. agencies like the CIA and, you know, DIA and uh, DEA and lots of different agencies are down there in Latin America working on different issues. That, that deserve to be worked on, but they don't have, they're not on the same page with this. They don't have the same terminology or definitions or um, efforts to uh, interrogate uh, migrants that are apprehended in these countries before they come uh, get to the U.S. border. And, and often, not even once they get to the U.S. border, they bond out before anybody gets to yes. the security screening on them. So. There really just needs to be a lot more of this kind of uh, federal attention in Latin America and at our border, and they all need to be coordinated. 
Uh, right now, it's a little bit haphazard. Um, you know, thank God we've got HSI working with Southcom uh, pretty well on this and that they're knocking these guys out. But there's still thousands of Bangladeshis and Yemenis and Afghanis and Iraqis and Syrians still showing up at the border. So that just tells us that the networks just adapt and survive. Right. Pressure needs to be, they need to be managed harder. Right. Well, tell the folks how they can follow up on it, uh, on uh, on reading about you, buddy. Well, the best place to find uh, my work is at www.toddbensman.com, toddbensman.com. I have all of my uh, work up there, and also um, you can find my... Um, work at cis.org some of it not all of it but the immigration stuff is all there and uh and you can follow me on twitter as well benzman todd wonderful um i'm out there thank you very much as usual todd for being on the show and we'll, we'll get you back on uh, to give us an update yeah thanks for having me i appreciate the uh chance to explain this to people wonderful it's great information all right once again, that was Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies. This is George Rodriguez on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Folks, once again, George Rodriguez and Consuelo talking to you from San Antonio on KLUP 930 AM radio in San Antonio. Um, we've got my very, very good friend, uh, Silvio Canto, on uh, the line, and we're going to chat with him because he and I are both uh, involved in uh, in broadcasting here, and it, we use the English language quite a bit, obviously. Uh, and we use the Spanish language as well, and communication has become very, very important, obviously. So, what we want to chat about is um, how political correctness has uh, begun to, um, I would say, limit our speech. And um, we've seen uh, examples all over the place. Uh, the Socialist Democrat um, uh, convention recently, which everybody was kidding about, um, I found to be kind of disturbing because they couldn't use, they were afraid to use certain language because it was triggering, et cetera, et cetera. So I wanted to get um, uh, uh, Silvio's take on it and uh, discuss a little bit about how this um, this is limiting. I mean, in my opinion, it's limiting our expression, our communication, our uh, thinking even. Silvio, th- thank you for being with us. Welcome to the show. What do you think? What do you think much, is going on? First of all, thank you for the invitation, um, and it's always a great pleasure to chat with you. Uh, what do I think of this? I think this is very troubling uh, for the country because, uh, you know, language is how we communicate, uh, as you indicated in your presentation. And if, uh, you know, if all of a sudden uh, a word that I had spent my whole life believing meant something for example, the word legal and illegal. Uh, those are two words that I, to, at least, I, I, I always thought what they meant. Legal meant that it was something within the law. Illegal meant that it was outside the law. But if now it, it doesn't mean that anymore, then I think that has consequences that we may not even understand, George. So yeah, I think this is very bad, this thing that we're doing. You know, I, I was thinking about our interview, and I was thinking of the best way to describe this. And I think the best way is to say this is a corruption of the language. That's what we're doing. We're corrupting the language. That's what we're doing, George. That's right. I, I really agree with that. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, when we can't use pronouns, for example... I mean, how uh, how do we communicate when we don't use pronouns? I mean, how do we describe people? Right. Well, how do I, you know, ever since I can remember, we, we had two genders. Yeah. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, I guess we have more than two. Yeah, and even uh, saying it's that. It's going to be a shock to my old biology teacher Yeah, if he finds out that we have more than two genders. But this is the kind of thing, you know, it's like all of a sudden... Uh, you know, I was listening to a fellow the other day saying that he attended a seminar, uh, and, and they were in, in a company. They were explaining to people how to address 
transgenders, meaning people who are neither male or female or don't consider themselves either one or a combination, whatever, whatever the case may be. How in the world do I do I identify somebody if, if I have to think about, well, how does this person want me to be identified? I mean, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, for a long time, you said he is a boy, she is a girl. But I guess that's not true anymore, George, in some circles, at least. That's right. I mean, it really, really creates a problem. I think that it really creates a problem when it comes to uh, discussions. If we're going to have an honest discussion, how can you have an honest discussion when you can't use honest words? Mm-hmm. Exactly right. And and I think uh, it, there are other consequences as well. And And, for example... We've been reading lately about boys who think they are girls who are competing in girls' sports. There you go. And and in many cases, they are, you know, defeating the girls because obviously a 15-year-old boy, uh, even if he thinks he's a girl, even if he dresses like a girl, is going to be a 15-year-old boy physically. Uh, he's going to be stronger. He's got bigger muscles than most girls do. So it, it is really, I think, detrimental. And I think the quicker we get back to to a common sense approach, I think the, the better we're going to be as a country, George. Well, yeah. And, and uh, I, I was also reading about how, you know, it's, a, it's impacting on humor as well, because, you know, you, the sensitivities of uh, certain people are offended uh, from humor. So, I mean, even even being funny is no longer permissible in some ways. Right. Well, that, and, that, and that's really sad because humor has always been a, a an important function of any society. I mean, uh, I remember, this is kind of an interesting story, but I remember there was a president of Mexico years ago, many, many years ago, who used to have one person in his staff, and his job was to go around the country and hear what jokes they were saying about the president. <laughs> and it sounds kind of crazy, but, but it really isn't, because he said, the jokes tell me a, a great deal about what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong. Yep. And it really makes a lot of sense when you think about it. And, and I think it, in any society, humor has always been a big part of it. I mean, I've gotten to the point, and, and I'm sure people in the audience can relate to this, especially men listening, I've gotten to the point where I I don't say anything about a woman that I don't know because I I don't know how she's going to react. I mean, there was a time uh, when you could walk into the office or you met some some you know a, a lady at the office who who worked in the office or something, and you could go up to the lady and say, "Hey, you really look nice today, don't you?" Or you could say, "Gee, you know, are you going on a big date tonight? You're all dressed up." I mean, those are things that we used to say in total humor and respect but now i don't know if yeah, you can, can say stuff like that without having somebody in hr call you in and say you know somebody's filing a protest against you or whatever yeah. it's, it's crazy it really is crazy George. yeah the sensitivity the the sensitivities have just gotten out of control do you think it's possible to get back i mean i, I you know i'm 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 very very cautious about uh, you know how uh, when we speak in public how we speak and what we say but do you think it's possible to get back to uh, to normality of any type well I, i'm always the eternal optimist i guess so i'm gonna say i hope so uh, and i like to believe i do think george that there is a huge backlash out there in the country and i think people are really sick and tired of this and i hear this from women who are saying, you know, we're sick and tired of this. You know, if you want to open the door, I think that's great. Don't worry. I'm not going to be offended. You know, so I, I do think that there is a, a backlash coming. When it comes, I don't know. But I tell you, I do think the next election is super important because I think a Trump reelection on this particular issue, uh, particularly with the judges that he's appointing, could have a very positive impact on all of this, George. Yeah, the... Uh this this idea that you know that language is discriminatory regardless of what uh, you know what you mean by it that it's got to be limited i think that that has i mean you know it's reached uh, a, a a new level of craziness i really really do believe that I, I agree with you and you know you and i are of the same generation and i think you and i uh, grew up we knew 
what was proper and what was not proper. No, nobody, I mean, look, I, I have never personally offended a woman because I knew what to say or what not to say. I exactly. was brought up in a culture where we knew what to say or not to say. So I don't need political correctness to tell me, you know, how to talk to people or how to behave in front of people. But now I wonder sometimes because, I mean, I knew before what I couldn't say in public, but now I wonder because everything seems to offend everybody these days. I mean, everybody seems to be offended about everything. <laughs> it is crazy. It, it really, it really, really is. I mean, you know, it, uh, it's reached the point where you, you, you have to check, you know, uh, uh, how should I address you, you know, that kind of a situation. I agree. No, I agree with you. It's ridiculous. It really is ridiculous. And I, I actually think most people agree with us, George. I really do. I sure hope so, because, I mean, it, it you know, I uh, I worry about uh, the young kids. You know, how are they being taught in schools? I mean, how, you know, what what uh, what type of, uh, of, of English education are they receiving if language is being limited? Yeah. Well, I think what you're seeing, uh, I mean, you're exactly right. I agree with you, particularly in the public schools. But I think what you're seeing is more and more parents doing whatever they can to take them out of public uh, out of public schools. And if they cannot afford the religious school or the private school, I think you're seeing more and more uh, homeschooling. Yeah, that's true. I think homeschooling is going to be the big boom in the next 10 to 15 years. I think we may have, it may not be long before we have a very significant amount of kids at 18 graduating from homeschooling. And I understand... By the way, this is a different subject, but I understand they're doing very well, these kids who graduate from homeschooling or who go through homeschooling, because they're getting a good education, but on top of that, they graduate with a better sense of discipline and respect, you know? Yeah. Uh, because at home, obviously, mom doesn't put up with any PC. Yeah, right, exactly. It would seem like that. I mean, uh, one of my one of my dear friends was telling me that his grandson uh, brought home a, a uh, note asking for permission for them to uh, for him to read uh, Huckleberry Finn, uh, you know, which is stunning to me. I mean, I, I just I can't believe that they would ask permission for him to read it. That's insane. But that's the kind of insanity that that is. I think it's actually killing our public school system. I, I really do. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I, I think it really is. That's why I think more and more parents, if they can, they're going to do everything they can to take their kids out of the public school system. Right. I really believe that's that's going to be the, the backlash against all of this, George. I do, too. Silvio, tell the folks how they can uh, read and, and uh, listen to you on your on your podcast. Well, the easiest thing to do is just put uh, C-A-N-T-O, talk, Canto Talk, and that'll get you to the blog and the podcast. And, you know, if you read American Thinker, I, I usually put something there every day on, on the blog side, which is the right-hand side. So um, a lot of people uh, come to my stuff through American Thinker. That's a very popular website, as I'm sure you know. Excellent. Thank you very much, folks. I encourage you to uh, to read and listen to uh, to my good friend Silvio. Silvio, thanks for taking time to be on the, on the show with us. How can I say PC? How can, how can I say goodbye in a PC fashion, George? Uh, gosh, that's a good one. You know, I haven't even... <laughs> Say adios. How can I say? How can I say uh, goodbye without offending? Without hurting my feelings. Let me yes. think about that. Let's see. Farewell, my friend. Farewell. There, uh, see you. See you soon. There you go. See you whenever I see you, but not before you get offended. There you go. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. Have a good one. Thank you very much. El Conservador listeners, if you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning.
Howdy, folks. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And uh, let's uh, give you uh, a little bit more uh, news about uh, illegal immigration uh, here in our concluding segment of our uh, show today. Uh, let's start uh, with this um, hypocrisy uh, and, and disasters, we call it. Uh, the Democrats in the fake news uh, are were criticizing were criticizing President Trump earlier this this week uh, because he moved one hundred and fifty five million dollars from FEMA uh, over to immigration enforcement. Now, let's uh, let's make sure that you understand that one hundred and fifty five million dollars to us is a lot of money. But to the federal government, that's a drop in the bucket. Uh, they were screaming the uh, the Democrats and the, and the and the fake news were screaming that uh, FEMA needed this money because uh, Hurricane Doria Dorian was uh, at the doorstep of Puerto Rico and Puerto Rico needed the money and that they were screaming and yelling and after you know carrying on uh, it turns out that uh, you know they were uh, that uh, they completely ignored the fact that um, the Democrat led House uh, Nancy Pelosi and company have denied. Uh, President Trump's request for a $4.5 billion for the border crisis back in May, okay? So here they're screaming about $155 million when they, uh, the Democrats, denied $4.5 billion last, uh, last May for the, uh, for the border crisis. And that included, that includes, uh, you know, for the beds, for medical care, for all the stuff that, uh, that they carry on about. So uh, they were screaming and yelling uh, fake news, including Univision and, and, uh, and CNN, of course, uh, were having these emotional breakdowns because uh, the disaster, the, the, the disaster victims in Puerto Rico were going to get hit by this uh, by Hurricane Dor- Dorian. All right. So uh, turns out that the hurricane didn't even uh, di- didn't even come near it. I mean, it just brushed. Puerto Rico, and uh, so all the screaming and yelling and, and hand wringing was for nothing. Uh, however, the president was still is still being uh, uh, roundly criticized for taking 155 million uh, to uh, to use it for the uh, for for the uh, law enforcement folks for for border enforcement. You know, it, it just is is amazing to me, my friends. It really, really the hypocrisy of the Democrats is just amazing to me. You know, they complain about reprogramming this, this money. They forget, first of all, they forget that, uh, you know, that they were the ones that didn't give the money, uh, that they haven't uh, appropriated the money to, for uh, for protecting the border. But then they, they also forget that as administrator, as the chief administrator, President Trump does have the, the, the authority to move around money for emergencies. And I would consider the southern border an emergency, wouldn't you folks? Uh, I, I certainly would. Um, secondly, there was a big report, and we're going to have a, a guest next week uh, talk about this from FAIR, from the um, Federation for Immigration Reform. Uh, it, the, um, uh, there was a, a th- this report that FAIR did shows the cost of illegal immigration uh, to, uh, to taxpayers, the cost of illegal aliens in the United States. They estimate that it's uh, at one point at one hundred and fifteen point nine billion dollars annually. The report examines the fiscal impact on uh, on uh, of illegal immigration on federal and state budgets, and also highlights uh, you know which citizens are paying the most. Uh, for example, California. Needless to say, California, the taxpayers are paying the highest uh, at twenty three million dollars. Uh, for more than 6 million illegal aliens and their kids. Second, guess who? Second is uh, Texas, the state of Texas, with more than 4 million illegal aliens and their kids. And we pay here in Texas $11 billion. Third is, uh, is Florida with about 2 million illegal aliens and kids with their kids. And uh, the cost is, is, six point, uh, is $6 billion dollars. To the taxpayers, yeah, this is this is incredible, my friends. This is how much money we pay out. What people need to understand, what people need to understand, is that illegal aliens, you know, uh, they take out of the system. They take out more than they put in. We've got a lot of folks that consistently are always saying 
Well, you know, uh, illegal aliens pay taxes, too. Well, yeah, maybe, you know, whenever they buy a loaf of bread, whenever they buy something, they pay a tax, right? As we all do. Uh, However, they take they take from the system every time that they get sick and go to the hospital, every time that they uh, get a welfare check, every time that they go to to uh, every time that they send a kid to school and get a free lunch, they take from the system that we put into. And uh, they are taking out much more than they are putting in. That's the fact. That's the fact. The report calculates the taxpayer burden uh, by adding together the total of federal, state, and local expenditures. Uh, and, and you know, this is this is this is the reality. This is the reality. How much money they take from the illegal aliens are taking from the federal government, from the state government. And from the local government. Example, here in San Antonio, here in San Antonio, uh, you know, it, although it claims to not be a sanctuary city, uh, it is providing a budget uh, for assisting illegal aliens who uh, are staying at, a, at what they call a migrant resource center. Uh, so that's money that's coming out of the taxpayer's pocket. Uh, the city is asking for 330 thousand uh, dollars which again seems like a drop in the bucket but this is only to cover for three months so uh, if you if you uh, if you calculate how much the city is going to request later on uh, as the as the uh, other nine months come along well you know we're going to be looking at about at about 1.2 million dollars uh, of taxpayer money that's going to be used on migrants, as they call them, but on illegal aliens as they pass through the city. We have uh, here in the city that um, we've had uh, not only Central Americans, but we've had folks from the the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Mongolia, and Haiti. And, uh, you know, it's amazing to us that, um, you know, uh, these expenditures uh, for illegal aliens uh, who are crossing the border and then being released into the United States and then ending up here in, in San Antonio, they never calculate this, uh, th- these, uh, uh, these expenses. They don't. They, they're just kind of like, well, this is what we pay for, for being a welcoming city. Oh, my goodness, folks. This, it, 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 this is what is costing us money, and this is how we are encouraging Yes, how we are encouraging illegal immigration. We reward it. We reward it by welcoming it, by, re- by, by providing uh, services here in San Antonio and in other communities to these folks. Now, again, my friends, again, I understand how people want to leave uh, terrible situations, but entering the country under false pretexts. Entering the country under false pretenses. And then on top of that, my friends, and then on top of that, uh, violating uh, immigration laws by getting lost in, in, in the community, you know, by, by ignoring uh, requests for, uh, for returning and, 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 and uh, showing up at, at, uh, at court hearings, and then by just crossing illegally. By crossing illegally, we are rewarding, we are enabling illegal immigration. And then once they're here, we have all sorts of loopholes so that they can stay, like anchor babies, like anchor babies. Once they have a kid, they stay. The fiscal burdens to us, my friends, are tremendous. Now, here's a fact. Here's a fact, and I think that this is the uh, th- this is this is something that that we really need to 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 look at. Is that there was a poll that came out uh, last week, uh, courtesy of Her- Heritage Action of America for America, uh, of uh, forty five hundred voters, and it clearly shows that two thirds of the voters in swing states, my friends, in the swing states, are uh, they view the border as an emergency and that these voters uh, are, are very, very concerned about illegal immigration. They're very, very worried. And it, it, it appears that the Democrats and the liberal media continue to ignore, you know, this uh, what what the grassroots, what grassroots voters are saying. You know, 
there there's also this uh this uh report that came out this news item which uh the the media did not play very much up uh, up on but um the the department of public uh, of uh the, the public excuse me the department of homeland security uh it barred some democrat uh congressional staffers uh from the house oversight committee it barred them from uh the customs border patrol uh, and uh, facilities along the border last week. Why? Because of disruptive behavior. These characters, these staffers from from the from the Democrat commit from the Democrat House Oversight Committee, um, uh, apparently were rude and they refused to follow instruction uh, on their trip. Now this is, I mean, you know, besides refusing to hear the voters, these folks. Go to these facilities where our Border Patrol, where our ICE folks are working, are working overtime, working hard, and then they behave like idiots. And so uh, DHS revoked their access to the facilities, and of course, the uh, Democrats are having a meltdown over this. My friends, this is these situations that we've got with uh, illegal immigration and the behavior of of uh, of the ignorant behavior of Democrats and uh, and, and the media, it's just it's intolerable. It's reached an intolerable point. Once again, my friends, thank you for joining us today. George Rodriguez, El Conservador on KLUP 930 AM radio. Please uh, tell folks about our show. Uh, spread our uh, the word around. We uh, we definitely need uh, would like to have your your support and uh, uh, and 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 uh, spread uh, you know uh, as much about uh, our show as possible. You feel free to share the podcast. So um, thank you for show, for joining us today. Uh, until next time, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from. San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.